0: Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and m and in Canada. My name is Mario Negro. I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A group at Steigman Elliott. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome our special guests, Cameron Roblin and Philip de Roche. Cameron and Philip are both the principals of Stratus Growth Partners, but they also are executives for GLP Canada. Cameron's the president of GLP Canada and Philip is the CEO of GLP Canada. Cameron, Philip, thank you for joining us. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Mario.
1: Great to be here. Absolutely. Excited to be here, Mario.
0: Cameron, Philip, we always start by talking a little bit about our guests' history, their past, and uh, obviously you have a super interesting history both in uh, how you created, started Stratus Growth and you're coming together to create Stratus, but then also how you found and purchased GLP Canada. So maybe we'll start with just a little bit about yourselves and how you came to form Scroll?
2: Absolutely, I'll, I'll kick us off there. And so for me, I started my career in international trade. And after that, I worked in management consulting for a number of years. And, and after, really for me, after spending a good amount of time advising on business strategy, I thought it would be a, a great and exciting opportunity, really, uh, to take the entrepreneurial path and go out there and acquire and run a business.
1: Yeah, and basically how it came all together, Cameron and I have known each other for probably close to eight years now, uh, met during the MBA program and always had a bit of a I don't know, distant chat around at some point collaborating together and, and looking to acquire a company, knowing that there's just a big opportunity of succession in general um, with businesses in Canada. So we kept in touch, kept an eye on it together. And in 2021, we decided to fully launch and go for it. So that's that's kind of how it started uh, in general
0: for us. Well, Cameron, Philip, I know you created Status Group, obviously for the goal of buying a company. And you know what's interesting about your story is you know you had a dual strategy for your search for buying a company you um, obviously talked to sell side advisors but you also you know really invested in proprietary searching and what's interesting about how you ended up purchasing GLP is just the story behind the success of your proprietary searching and maybe you could tell us a little bit about it about how you came to find GLP Canada and you know the process <laughs> behind getting that relationship with the owners and getting that deal signed up and getting that deal done
2: absolutely and and so both Phil and I were were fully dedicated to searching so we had really the luxury where we could tackle a few different pillars of our search so as you mentioned we looked at sell side advisors from one angle. So we we went out to bankers and brokers and had a whole bunch of conversations to just see what businesses were already out there and already on the market for sale. Uh, and then we essentially went through the process of putting together target industries, lists of target businesses and companies, and then going out there and, and reaching out and seeing if we could find a good opportunity for a business that wasn't actively for sale but was interested in potentially being acquired the last thing we did that i think was pretty unique is we really tapped into our personal networks as well so friends colleagues even other advisors that other folks don't really tap into as frequently like wealth managers um, and just put the blast out there hey we're looking for a business and are there any opportunities out there
0: and how did you ultimately find GLP? I mean obviously you must have done some kind of proprietary searching from a sector-based perspective, right? Probably distribution, HVAC, some type of industry-specific analysis. Tell us a little bit how you actually got to GLP and how you obviously got the built that relationship.
1: We were focused on in some ways on the on the non-sexy industries if I can use that expression of of more industrial, technical, I mean, coming from my background in engineering and and technical kind of industry and businesses, we wanted to get a bit into that space, looking for all the criteria that I think every searcher looks for in terms of higher margin potential, all these things, but focused on businesses that were in the shadows. Um, And Cameron, same with his background in international trade, like we had a, a wide spectrum of things we could look into and how it really happened is what Cameron said. It's through our own personal network. So we... We ended up knowing a wealth manager who had a few business owners that they were his clients and they had no succession. They basically had GLP had three owners um, historically and and two of them wanted to retire. uh, So the wealth manager knew one of them very well and he basically started the introduction for us. So he was solving a problem for his own client and it gave us the opportunity to get in touch with them and I had a very good relationship with the wealth manager through my own network with him. And so that's how we got to build and at least kickstart the discussion and build a relationship. It was all introduced in terms of in a circle of trust, basically.
0: So tell us a little bit about the acquisition of GLP Canada itself, you know, the business, the space. I mean, what drove you to this deal? Why was this deal attractive for you? A little bit about getting the deal done.
2: Sure. So to start off, GLP is a, is a distribution business and, and it's focused on HVAC equipment and parts. And it's a 65-year-old business. So long, long past, like long history of growth. And really we've got two warehouses, one in Oakville and one in Calgary. And we focus on technical sales of, of equipment from manufacturers in the US. And then we, we sell to really across Canada.
1: Yeah, if I can add here as well, what we really liked about the business is that it's um, GLP is quite specialized. It's it's not necessarily looking at all the mainstream market that people could think of in, in construction or residential or more broadly commercial like condo towers or big, big, large commercial buildings where we're a bit more specialized into actually equipment, cooling and things like that, which makes it quite interesting. And and the business just had tremendous expertise in that area. So the, the, the people of GLP, the team here is just highly knowledgeable about what they do. And we felt that because of that, the company had a bit of a uniqueness to it. And it had also a lot of potential to do more. So that's why we basically kind of pulled the trigger and, and worked hard, um, as you know, Mario, in those space to, to, to get the deal done.
0: Can I ask you both, you know, this is the kind of business distribution is very popular, uh, very popular amongst private equity firms. Owners of a business of this kind normally would go to a sales process or have already talked to many a sales process advisor about selling, given the nature of the business, you know, the likely buyer. How do you fit into that? I mean, you, you didn't have a sales process in this deal. This was really purely a relationship building exercise with you and the owners in terms of really wanting to do something together. How did that all play out uh, that they didn't go to a sales process and and instead, you know, really kind of, you know, built the deal with you if you want to call it that?
2: Yeah, I think some of it is timing and and some of it is fit really uh, with the business owners. And so I think we brought a few sort of unique features to the table. The first is really our positioning around being a succession plan, right? So we're talking about three owners who are looking to either retire or exit the business. Uh, in kind of gradually and what we're bringing to the table is we're able to take the reins and actually operate the business day to day. All three of these owners were involved day to day looking to gradually decrease their responsibilities and hand it off to the next generation of owner operators which is us and there's a bit of a historical context here too which is the prior owners themselves acquired the business mid-career So I think our story as mid-career professionals looking to acquire and operate really resonated with them. I would also say there's a bit of a fit aspect here too in terms of both of our backgrounds, again, Phil with more of the technical expertise and product knowledge for the HVAC products and, and myself with more of the experience in distribution and supply chain from international trade and with finance. And so they were really looking for a fit where the incoming successors or acquirers could replace all three of them with, with two folks. And I think we had a good fit there. And the last piece that I think we, we differentiated on is we really ran the deal process and, and you teed this up, right? Most businesses uh, would try to go through a banker or a, a sell side advisor and, and it simplifies the process for the owners. Whereas in this case, I think we managed to work all of this through ourselves by putting a lot of that process running on our own shoulders.
0: You raised capital for this deal. You were able to get this deal closed. And obviously you're now working with the principals in their transition plan. They're still supporting you as you both kind of run this business as kind of, you know, co-owners with your investors. Of course, I would be remiss to ask you, given that the questions of the day that you obviously close this deal and then start hearing supply chain issues and interest rates and inflation and all the macro forces that, you know, obviously this kind of business is sensitive to. So I wanted to get your perspective, you know, given the nature of the business distribution and, you know, the product mixes that you have, how you are managing some of those supply chain, you know, and, inflationary issues, and of course, you're in a business where you have multiple customers, how you deal with the fact of having to pass on some of those costs and deal with product shortages and all?
1: When we started, I mean, I think the good thing is when we actually acquired, this was had already been happening for a bit. So it was not like we got fully surprised by it. We were expecting some of these things to hit us and some were already ongoing. So from that, from an industry perspective, I think a lot of our customers, a lot of our suppliers, people were getting more familiar with the challenges. They were at least expecting things. The surprises factor were not there as much, so it, it made it a bit easier for us to at least learn it and navigate it with the previous owners. And I think the, the previous owners really helped us keep those relationships strong and and working with everyone to make that smooth. But I think as a company, it's all about balance. And I think that also the Success of GLP is trying to go the extra mile in finding solutions, not only for our customers, but also with our suppliers. So we've been just doubling down on, on partnering with our suppliers on supply chain. When we know there's delays, we try to see if there's with them anything we can help with. For example, when our supplier, we're getting shortages of a certain component. We try to source that component in Canada for them. So we it just actually going to those unprecedented challenges a bit as an industry. I think it also made the relationship and our role even more valuable for them in some way. So that's how we've been navigating it. Right now, to be honest, I think it's stable. Uh, we don't see sign of either going the wrong way or improving drastically quickly. We're trying to absorb part of the prices increases when we can. Sometimes we don't really have a choice to, to pass them. And I think our industry understand that as well. But ultimately, I think we're all a bit in a stable environment. Um, I've not seen any big sign of change yet. We hope it's going to get better. And I think there's sign of it that in the medium term, it's going to get better. But for now, it's still just um, there's still some challenge in the supply chain in general. There's still backlog.
0: I mean, Cameron, Philip, I know that you obviously, you know, you're on the front lines of CEOs trying to manage the everyday, but you're also thinking about the future and the opportunities and obviously the challenges you're managing, but from an opportunity perspective, you know, when you look at this kind of business from a Canadian perspective, what does the future hold for this business for you? If you were to kind of say where you'd like it to go, you know, we always talk about the challenges. It's nice to talk a little bit about the exciting part about the opportunities.
2: Absolutely. For us, we're really thinking about this business as, as a growth opportunity. So, The business, as we said in the beginning, you know, 65 years old, really good and long track record in Canada, Uh, but at least in the recent past hasn't been focused so much on growth. And we think in this market and with this business, we've got some legs here. So on the growth side, we think there's opportunity to to get a bit more penetration in different parts of the Canadian market geographically. Uh, We think there's opportunity to bring on additional product lines and maybe in the future there's even an opportunity to do to do some additional acquisitions in the space. We know that's been a popular strategy in the space.
1: If I can add quickly here, I think more from an industry perspective, what's interesting about HVAC is that there's kind of more major trends happening right now. Of course, COVID and air quality has been driving an important rethinking about how buildings manage their air quality, if it's if it's centralized or not, which give a lot of opportunities in terms of of how people approach the product and what solutions can be for them and and similarly i think the entire sustainability movement the energy change brings also a lot of opportunity as as equipments are becoming more efficient as there's refrigerant change in the space to be able to get those efficiency level for us it's plenty of opportunity where we can work with our current customer but also new customers to find solutions for their own challenges right so it's a we see a lot of opportunities there as well, from a technical perspective to in the industry in general, not just GLP. I think a lot of a uh, player in that space will have good years to come because of those challenges that we need to uh, to find solutions to.
0: You kind of were hit the question of where I was going to go, Philip, but you may have answered it. So I, but I'll ask. You, I'll ask. It is, I mean, HVAC has become unbelievably popular in the deal space. I remember years ago when people would ask me about selling an HVAC business, and you almost kind of, you know, were depressed by it or saddened by it, because you're like, there's no buyers for these businesses, you know, they were very difficult to sell. And then if they were sold, they were sold on very low multiples. And yet, you know, it's just been transformed, you know, and you're, you're seeing that, you know, yourself, but we're seeing so many deals in this space. And, And you hit on some of the Factors, I guess, Philip, but is there any other factors that make the space super attractive? I mean, you've already touched upon some of them, uh, given COVID and, you know, the way people look at yeah. indoor air movement and all like, is there anything else that's driving all of this? I MA mean, activity in the HVAC space, uh, and it's across the board, right? It's not just in the product's services, you know, traditional old HVAC, even installation businesses, there's roll-up strategies now for these little mom-and-pop shops that hadn't been existing for a long time. Anything in particular that you see that's driving that other than obviously what already you you had mentioned?
1: Yeah, good point. I think there's just the fact that it's been a bit of a, like you mentioned before, people were staying away from it. It was just a bit of a sleepy, I'm not sure sleepy is the right word, but a bit of a sleepy or under-the-radar industry and it's quite. It was still, and still today, it's quite fragmented. So there's a lot of opportunities that businesses that are good, well established in their own local market, that like the owners have been bringing up either were the founder or the second generation owner, and and there's room to kind of accelerate their operations, bring bring technology in the in the service like industry, for example, to make the operations more effective and better and faster. That that's why we see also startups like. Uh, I think service titans and things like that, that target those professional services to improve the industry. So I think it's an industry where if I, I put the private equity perspective on it, a lot of the funds or the, the private equity buyers are looking at it as there's a lot of operational improvement, probably low-hanging fruit you can get after. There's It's fragmented. You can probably find a lot of good businesses that are just not really sought after too, or there's still room to find that. There's a bit of that. It's for sure over the last, I think, two, three years, maybe even four years been accelerating quite a bit. So it's getting more competitive, but I just feel there's there's still a lot of good things that can happen in the industry um, and bring uh, new capabilities and make the companies more performing in general.
0: I always ask our guests the, what I call the crystal ball question. And I want to ask you the question about where you do see some of this market going and and obviously from where you sit, you know, given what we what we're going through right now and, you know, the opportunities and the challenges ahead. So I wanted to get your thoughts on how you're looking at, you know, twenty twenty three with, you know, this whole interest rate discussion and people concerned about the economy slowing down. I'm just curious if you're taking any strategies or seeing any changes in, in the market from your business and then also where you think it's going based on what you see on the ground.
1: Yeah. It's funny because like we read news articles every day that says that we're probably doomed and we're going into the worst recession ever. In our space, we have not seen the slowdown just yet. I think we're, again, we're in specific niches. So I cannot speak for the entire industry here, but we do see still strong demand, a lot of infrastructure projects, technical projects going on. I think just based from experience, there's for sure when interest rates go up like this, markets like residential construction and things like that end up slowing down. Ultimately, we are not extremely active ourselves in the residential space. So we're, we're a bit different. I would not be surprised to see a slowdown. I think the big question is really how bad it will be. Um, I don't have the answer. Maybe some people closer to it have the answer for that. Uh, So for us, what we do is we navigate it carefully. I think we, we keep very close to our customer, ask them questions, uh, try to understand how their business is doing, and, and we plan our entire flow of goods and projects accordingly as, so we can be a bit ahead of the game or ahead of the curve if we can. But so far, I think over the last few months, for us, we've not seen massive change of, uh, of trend yet.
0: Cameron and Philip, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been super interesting to hear your story and how. You found this great business, and you've you know really been able to uh, raise the capital, get the deal done, and now obviously you know run this business and focus on the future. So thank you for sharing your story with us. It's been uh, super interesting and really appreciate. It.
2: Thank you, Mario. Our pleasure.
1: Absolutely, it was great, Mario. Thanks again for inviting us to your podcast.